Greetings, friend, and welcome to the Between the Covers podcast, where we are constantly striving to become the heroes of our own stories. Today, I wanted to bring a relatively heavy topic, and it's one that I've been having a lot of conversations about lately, and that is the topic of grief. One of the things I have witnessed just in this modern day, especially in the United States where I live, is we're not really good with grief. A lot of us are not taught how to grieve. Maybe when we were younger, grief was something that we just had to buck up and get over or had to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps whatever the colloquialism is that you grew up with, we're not that great at being with grief. I mean, I've even been hearing of people who experience a loss in their families, and they might be given a week, a week to grieve before they're having to go back to work. I'm sorry, that's not how grief works. We're talking about something that is incredibly complex. And maybe some of us even have a really bad interpretation of what grief actually is. I mean, have you ever heard of the five stages of grief? That was something that I grew up hearing. And I found out probably within the last, oh, eight years or so, maybe 10 years, that the stages of grief are not something that you go through in a linear fashion. If you're unfamiliar with the stages of grief, they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And... I I had this idea growing up that if you lost someone or something that was very near and dear to your heart, that you would start in the denial stage of grief and you would have to work your way all the way from going from denial, um, then you'd go into anger, then anger would lead into bargaining, bargaining into depression, and depression into acceptance. As I have gotten older, and I've allowed myself to be present with my grief, I have learned that, nope, it's not at all any kind of a linear progression. I would describe it more as cyclical. Actually, not no, not even cyclical. I wouldn't even call it that. It's chaotic. That's probably the best way to describe it. It is a chaotic process. And what makes it so chaotic is throughout an entire day, you can move between various stages of grief multiple times over. I will use the example of losing a loved one. This is something that I have seen some family go through, and I know it can be very difficult. It can be very taxing, and 
probably one of the hardest things that you can ever go through is if you lose someone who is very close to you. I have heard stories of people who wake up in the morning and because it is such a normal routine that they wake up and their spouse is right there in bed with them, that from the very beginning, they start in denial because our brains are, are not all that great with change. I, I don't know if that's something that you've experienced. It's something I absolutely have. Our brains don't like change. They like routine. They like things to follow a specific pattern, which is why we're so good at developing habits and routines and why it's so hard for us to break established habits and routines. That's an entirely different conversation for another podcast. So you have someone who wakes up and there is a realization that their spouse is gone and they start out in denial. It's like, no, no, that can't be. No, he or she has always woken up next to me. There's no way that they can be gone. And that can foster some very strong feelings. Maybe it's anger where they are experiencing anger at the loss of having lost someone who was so near and dear to them but maybe they just go straight into a depression and they experience incredible sadness because someone very near and dear is gone and they're not coming back. Maybe instead they go into bargaining where they're like, they're looking skyward and they're just asking to whatever is up there, whatever they believe in. If you could just bring this person back, I will do and fill in the blank, whatever it happens to be. It can be very different for different people, what this looks like. Some people, they can go through all these different stages in a day. Sometimes they're popping out from one stage to another multiple times a day. And when, when my mom's husband passed away, they'd been married for two, three years, I think. And she, she had a lot of help and support within that first year. And I remember her telling me that the second year, the second year was the worst because after a year, myself included, we all kind of thought that she was in a good place. Everything was back to normal. And yet, even within a year, she was still grieving. One of the things I have been learning about my own story is I didn't know how to handle these complex emotions that come about with grief. I mean, I, I grew up in an age, a society, a culture, however you want to call it, where for men, the only acceptable 
emotions to have were either happiness or anger. I was one of those who was labeled as a crybaby from a very young age, and I was teased and bullied horrendously for being a boy who was expressive and revealed his tears. So sadness was not something that was accepted in the circles that I grew up in. Maybe that's something that you're familiar with. And so when I experienced sadness, I didn't know what to do. Everyone was telling me, stop crying. You're okay. It's going to get better. It's not that big of a deal. Just buck up. Pull yourself up. <laughs> I, I remember... I remember having experiences where I was hurt, physically hurt. And if there wasn't any blood or any broken bones, ah, you just walk it off. And that sometimes worked. That sometimes was not at all what I needed. I just needed someone to tell me it was going to be okay. Someone to help me soothe and feel better from what I had experienced in that moment. And that made it very hard for me to navigate any feelings of sadness. And sadness is a big part of grief. Since I started my own journey of breaking free from my unwanted sexual behavior, I have had to grieve a lot. There were a lot of things that were done to me. There were a lot of things that were not given to me that I needed. And there was support that was held back from me. There were experiences where I was just targeted for being different and I wasn't accepted. I had a lot of things that I've had to grieve. And by grieving, I've been able to become a much more whole individual. I'm to the point now where I'm absolutely comfortable with having my eyes well up with tears. I have been on calls with some clients where they're sharing some heart-wrenching story and I just start crying because I'm feeling what they're feeling or what they should have felt. I have shared tears with so many people and maybe it's because I'm an adult now. Maybe it's more about the kind of communities and friends that I surround myself with. But the people that I have shared tears with are not put off by them. They're, they're not afraid of them. In fact, it's brought us closer together. There is that old saying that, or something along the lines, that we, when we share our, what is it? When we share our joys, they're doubled. When we share our burdens, they're halved. And there are, I imagine, a lot of people out there who are just holding way too much grief and unprocessed emotions. I mean, 
<laughs> just kind of go into a, an example that I've seen a lot since 2020 with the whole coronavirus and COVID-19. Since then, I have seen a lot more nasty and bad drivers around me. I mean, I, I'm i the one who bucks the trend. I will admit I don't drive over the speed limit. Speed limits are there for a reason, but that's beside the point. This is one day I was driving home from work at the end of the day, and I was going the speed limit, and I was coming up to where I was going to be turning, and I had someone honk at me because I was going the speed limit, because I wasn't speeding. I wasn't going faster. That had never happened in my entire life that I can recall. I wonder how much of that is because this person, maybe there was some kind of emergency. I don't know. Yet, I also wonder if the reason why they did that had to do with so many welled up emotions inside of them that they just don't know what to do with. I tell my clients all the time that if we don't let these emotions out, they're going to come out sideways. And in my experience anyways, most of the time when they come out sideways, what that looks like is anger. A great example that I heard is, oh, who said it now? It was... I think it was Jeff Foxworthy in one of his stand-ups. I love Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Engvall, some of the blue-collar comedy guys. And they have some very, very down-to-earth and real examples of life and their jokes. And he was sharing about how... I just had this example of a wife coming and complaining to her husband, and he's trying to talk with her about what it is that she's expressing that she's angry about. And she just turns to him and says, well, that's not even why I'm mad. And that, as weird as it sounds, is so true. Because we oftentimes have individuals who are holding on to these emotions inside of them. They have someone who cuts them off in traffic. I've heard of people who just get flipped off for no reason. Maybe there was some kind of conflict that took place between you and a coworker, or maybe a boss is breathing down your neck for some project or deadline that they don't believe you're going to be able to make. Whatever it is, we have all of these experiences and we just have to paste on a smile and just be like, okay, yeah. All right, everything's fine. Nope, I'm not upset. Nothing's off. I'm doing good. While deep down inside of us, it's like I'm really pissed off right now. I want to I want to go punch something. I want to scream. I want to yell, and yet we don't allow those emotions to come out. Then later on in the day, as we're having experience after experience, it's just taxing our patience. We come home and our significant other has left a pair of socks, a pair of dirty socks on the floor. 
and we explode. We explode with the fury of a hundred suns about a pair of dirty socks that didn't make it into the hamper. What are we really mad at in that scenario? Are we really mad at the socks not being put away? Or are we more mad at everything else that is just stacked up inside of us and made it so that we are just roiling over with these experiences of anger, of frustration, of sadness. I often wonder, because of what happened for over a year, once the coronavirus came into our society, came into the world, a lot of people lost out on jobs, on places to live. A lot of people had animosity towards others outside of their circle because you never knew who was carrying this invisible threat. It was a brutal time. It was a difficult time. A lot of people had to stay indoors. I know some friends who still today, because of autoimmune diseases and some kind of condition that they are struggling to work through medically, they still are having to isolate. And this is three years. I actually had to look at, I had to look at the camera or not the camera. I had to look at the calendar, the date on my computer, just to confirm that it has been over three years. And some people are still having to quarantine and isolate because they don't know where the threats are. They don't know what it is that is going to end up causing them such incredible pain and suffering. What are we doing with that? Are we just stuffing it down? Are we just keeping it inside? Are we trying to be good little boys and good little girls who are smiling all the time? Everything's happy. Nothing is bothering us. Or are we actually talking about what's going on? Are we actually letting these emotions out? Are we expressing what is bothering us in a healthy way? Or is it coming out in an unhealthy way by honking at someone in traffic? Or by becoming cold and distant to your children? Or your significant other. What's that look like? What does that look like for you? There might be some grief that needs to be processed. And that's going to take time. It's going to take time. And it's going to take practice. If you're like me, oh, it was, took a lot of practice for me to become okay with grief. Because I was always taught it was a bad thing. And yet, can we give ourselves permission to just go through these different stages? Can we allow ourselves to move from depression into anger, into denial, 
move to acceptance and then move from acceptance back to bargaining and then back to anger? Can we just allow ourselves to move through these stages and feel whatever we feel and talk about what we're going through? In a lot of the work that I've been doing in my own therapy, I have discovered the value of having a safe place to just talk. And sometimes, sometimes that's all I need just to feel better. Sometimes all I need is just to have a safe place to just put to words what I'm experiencing. In fact, I even, <laughs> I even have a funny example of this. With my clients, I share with them a feelings wheel that I provide. I just found it online, and it's a very useful tool. I go, <laughs> I go to talk with my therapist this one day, and there was something that I was working through with some friends, and I'm, as I'm just explaining the story and what was happening, what was going on, she looks at me and says, when this person said this to you, how did that make you feel? I just looked at her and I said, let me answer that question with another question. Do you have a feelings wheel? And unfortunately, she didn't at that time. But since this was something that I just got off of the Internet, I just downloaded it onto my phone. And now I have a copy on my phone all the time. I needed a tool to help me put to words what I was experiencing in that moment. And that's something that a lot of us are missing. That's something that I had missed for a long time. Maybe that's something that you've missed. I often find that just being able to put to words what it is that we are experiencing, instead of it being some kind of unknown, ethereal, out there kind of thing that I just can't find, I can't determine, I just don't know. When we remove the uncertainty of our emotions, of our experiences, that can be very empowering. Just being able to have a word to describe what it is that you're going through. So that's something that I want to encourage you to do. If this is resonating with you, maybe you have some unprocessed grief. Maybe you just need to have a safe place to just talk about what you're going through. Maybe you need a safe place to just share without having someone try and fix, without having someone try and come in and tell you what you need to do or anyone who reinforces these thoughts or these beliefs that, oh, you just need to get stronger. You just need to get over it. No, no. What would happen if you gave yourself the time in order to grieve, 
to go back and forth through all these different stages and become better through it. That's a big thing. I've become a much better person over the last five years just because I'm doing everything I can in order to just experience and be with whatever it is that I'm going through. Now, that doesn't mean I still don't turn to some coping mechanisms. I mean, some of what we're experiencing is really, really difficult and hard to sit with. And that is okay. That is absolutely okay. And we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode where we're going to be talking about self-care because it's very important to help get us through this. The important thing, though, is making sure that we're not disconnecting for too long when we're engaging with these coping mechanisms. What's going to be important is whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever it is that you're wanting to run away from because you feel like you can't handle it right now, allow yourself the time to distract yourself from it and then get back into it. Don't leave it unaddressed because then that's just going to turn into yet another memory, another experience, another wound that is just going to fester. And it's just going to start hurting more if we don't address it. So allow yourself to be. Allow yourself to experience and just be with what's uncomfortable. I've often told my clients that one of the things we have to do is become comfortable with what's uncomfortable. And we don't like that. We don't like being uncomfortable. That's why we have so many things that can distract us. That's why we have so many maladaptive coping mechanisms just to make us feel better. And yet, what's truly going to make us feel better is to allow ourselves the space and the permission to see what's happening, honestly admit what we are feeling, and just let them be. Let the thoughts come out. Let the emotions, let the tears, let the anger, whatever it looks like. If that's something that you feel that you need, then find a safe place to be with and talk about what your experience is. This is so, so crucial to the human experience. And when I say to sit with, sometimes that is just having someone that you can just lean on and just cry on their shoulders. My wife ended up having one of these moments. This is going to be another story time with Marcus here. Two nights ago, my wife was experiencing some grief. And she was just expressing to me what was happening, how she was interpreting it, what feelings were coming up what she was trying to do in order to fix it. And this was right as we were going to bed. And I eventually just look at her and I just said, Hey, sweetheart, why don't you just come over here and you can just cry in my shoulder. 
and she came and she cuddled with me. She was still talking and in a hundred percent vulnerable honesty here, it took a lot of my capacity to not go into Mr. Fix-It. I have been accused by my wife in the past when she has something that is bothering her of defending the other person. And I'm not always proud of it. I usually try and look at situations from every possible angle that I can. And a lot of times that's not what she needs. So in this situation, I just let her cry. I let her talk. I let her vent her frustrations and express what she was experiencing. The following morning, she still had some grief because that's just how it goes. Grief isn't a one and done kind of experience. But she also felt better. She felt supported. And then once the emotions were not so high, we were able to honestly talk and kind of see things from different angles and just work together to try and figure out what to do with this given situation. And I hope you can find that same thing. I hope that you can find someone. You know, it can even be a beloved pet. You know, I hear dogs are great for just cuddling and talking to because they're not going to try and fix it. But find someone. Find someone that you can talk to. Someone you can be honest with. Someone who will accept what you're going through and create that safe place to be and to heal. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you're interested in working with me, there is a link to my website in the show notes and also a link just to schedule a free 50-minute one-on-one call with me. Let's get the conversation started. Also, please rate and review this podcast so more people are able to find it. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon.